Back to throw Fitzpatrick. Throwing high into the air. Got it. Parker, touchdown. What a win for this Miami Dolphin team. Wow. What is up, Dolphins, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins official podcast network covering your Miami Dolphins each and every day. How's it going, everybody? How was your weekend? Happy Monday. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I am here, as always, to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we continue our roster preview series, taking a look at the running backs. Some new names join the fold as we break down coach Eric Studsville's room. Plus, we heard from three veterans over the weekend. We'll get you caught up on the highlights from Ryan Fitzpatrick, Jesse Davis, and Bobby McCain's media availability and get you the latest Miami Dolphins news. All of that and more on this Monday, August the 3rd edition of the Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins And just real quick before we dive into the meat of the episode, a couple of roster updates for you guys and the COVID slash reserve list for this season. We added Jerome Baker, the linebacker and defensive lineman, Zach Sealer over the weekend. Eric Flowers as well has joined that list. And Blake Ferguson is the second Dolphins to come off the COVID slash reserve list. Benito Jones did the exact same move earlier last week. And Ferguson will return to camp with some competition for the long snapping job as the Dolphins signed Rex Sunahara over the weekend. And like Ferguson, the West Virginia product, Sunahara, was a Patrick Manelli Award finalist for the best long snapper in all of college football. Ferguson won that award from LSU back in 2018. All right, let's go ahead and turn the page here and jump right back in to our training camp roster preview series, taking a look at the running backs on today's episode of the Drive Time Podcast. And as we have done on the show here, going in order of the player's jersey numbers. And so we start with a player that has a kind of non-running back number in Malcolm Perry, the rookie out of Navy. He wears the number 10. He's going to be 23 years old when this season kicks off. Next month, we are just one month away from the start of the National Football League. And the Army-Navy game has been played, an annual tradition, one of the best really aesthetics and the best scenes, the best Uh, The best, really, of everything about football in that Army-Navy game. And over 120 years of its illustrious history, the record for single-game rushing yards was broken last year by none other than new Dolphin, Malcolm Perry, who ran for 304 yards in that game. And it wasn't just the Army game where Malcolm Perry went crazy on opposing defenses. He piled up 2,017 rushing yards in 2019. That was the second most in college football. He's an explosive runner. He jumps off the tape with twitch, speed, and vision. He carried the football 295 times last year in 2019 and 22% of those runs 65 of those runs in total exceeded 10 yards so 22% of the time he's ripping off runs that are going to be good to move the chains on a normal first and 10 situation Ken Niamatololo the head coach at Navy we talked to him on the drive time podcast a while back and he said that Perry's running instincts are as good as he has ever seen Perry participated in the East West Shrine game back in January and he carried the football one time in that senior all-star game and he took it to the house 52 yards for a touchdown to give his team a fourth quarter lead now he played quarterback slot back and receiver over his four-year career there at the naval academy but he will be on the dolphins roster listed officially as a running back up next number 20 in the miami dolphins backfield another newcomer he's been in the league for three years entering his very first here in Miami. 
Georgia Southern product, 25 years old, Matt Breida. And this guy can flat go, Breida the cheetah. He has the fastest registered top speed in the NFL each of the last two years at 22.3 and 22.09 miles per hour. He really can cook when he gets the football in his hands. And that rhyming nickname, Matt Breida the cheetah, it just all goes in line. The Dolphins sent a fifth round draft pick to the 49ers on draft day to acquire this speedster. He has a 5.0 yards per carry average on 300 and 81 career carries. And the old adage tells us that speed never slumps, right? And that's true of all sports, baseball, basketball, football, you name it. And by any standards, Matt Breida can run a 4.38 40-yard dash at his college pro day a few years back. He also jumped 42 and a half inches in the vertical. So you get a sense for how this guy is built athletically and how he maneuvers that way. He also has the production to go along with the five yards per carry. He's a conversion machine. 22% of his runs over the course of his career move the chains. He's converted 110 of his 448 career touches into first downs. And that includes six out of seven carries on third or fourth and short with just two yards or less for a first down. So a sure bet to pick up the first down, move those chains. And according to Pro Football Focus last year, Matt Breida lined up in the backfield on 246 snaps. He was in the slot for six plays and flexed out wide on 16 occasions. So you move him around the offense a little bit. Played 85 snaps on special teams. He has 67 catches, and that was good for a 75.3% catch rate on 89 targets, an average of 8.4 yards per reception. Kyle Shanahan praised him last year in training camp, and I wrote about it in the article when Breida was first traded to Miami, taking a look at some of his work and how Matt Breida worked hard to get himself into that fold, into that deep backfield out there in San Francisco. And head coach Brian Flores feels the same way. He had this to say about Breida after they traded for the running back back on draft day. As far as Matt Breida, the player, this is a very explosive young running back with good vision, and he can create a lot of big plays, Flores said, but he's also tough. He's also smart. He also has a lot of the qualities we are looking for in our players. It was an exciting phone call to have with him, and we can't wait to get him out here. Of course, that was back in April. And Breida you know, Flores talks about the toughness in that little blurb there. It's not just a speed guy that we're dealing with here. This guy, he he has some tough runs, some tough physical yards. You go back and watch some of the games where he had some of his biggest production totals this past season, like the Saints game, for instance. The Niners tried to be balanced in that game, going with the run, the pass, getting up and down the field against Drew Brees and that explosive offense. He had some really tough between the tackles runs. So he is not just a speed back. And that's, that's kind of a misnomer, I think, about his game. He can do a little bit of everything for you in the offense. Up next on our list here, two years in the NFL, entering his third with Miami, Kalen Balaj, number 27 out of Arizona State, going to be 24 years old on opening day. And like Matt Breida, he also had his name near the top of one of these fastest game day speed charts in 2018. On a 75-yard touchdown run against the Vikings, he topped out at 21.87 miles per hour. That was seventh fastest in the league that year. And as he did in college, Balaj served as the Dolphins' primary trigger man in Wildcat Package just last season. He's a downhill runner, a big dude that can drop his pads and get behind that six foot two, 237 pound frame to give the Dolphins a viable short yardage option in the ground game. He converted seven of eight first downs on runs where he had to get one yard to gain the first down and all three of his touchdowns came on such plays. And running backs coach Eric Studsville had this to say about Kalen Balaj last year, quote, the guy is passionate about the game and he brings professionalism in everything he does on the football field, end quote. 
Up next, another newcomer in the Dolphins' backfield, number 34. He's been in the NFL for four years. His first here in Miami, Jordan Howard out of Indiana. Going to be 25 years old when the Dolphins kick it off uh, in September against the New England Patriots. He was a fifth-round draft pick back in 2016, and few backs have produced like this guy since he came into the league in 2016. He has the third most rushing yards over that time, 3,895 yards, and the seventh most rushing touchdowns with 30 in the NFL over that time. He's one of five backs to rush for at least six touchdowns each of the last five seasons. He's a complete back. He utilizes a rare blend of vision and power to create poor angles and slip arm tackles of defenders because of that. He really finds a way to get skinny in the hole and does so well to make good decisions. There's a great video up on YouTube by one of my favorite analysts. We've referred to him on the podcast all the time, Brett Coleman, talking about his rookie season back in 2016, but really he's still the same back. He's still the same type of guy. And the way he reads the blocks, and it led to that really explosive breakout rookie year there for Jordan Howard. And he also mentions the pass protection, which really comes valuable to the passing game. 255 career pass blocking reps, according to PFF. And of those 255, he's allowed nine nine quarterback pressures in the four-year career. He has an 86.3 pass blocking grade on 92 reps back in 2018, his last full season of full health. And that was the best in the NFL among all backs with at least 32 pass blocking reps on the season. He has 110 runs of 10 yards or more and averages 2.77 yards after initial contact, including a career high mark in that former stat last year at 2.93 yards after contact. Howard has run for 215 career first downs. He averages 4.3 yards per rush and on 50 carries on third or fourth and short, which is two yards or less, he has converted uh, 37 of those runs into first downs. That's a 74% conversion rate, a reliable guy back there when you need a couple of tough yards, when the defense knows the run is coming. And after signing that two-year deal in the offseason with Miami, Howard had this to say, I just thought it was a good opportunity for me to come to Miami. I feel like this is an up-and-coming team. And that's what Jordan Howard's talking about, the youth on this team, a team that really is building for the future right now as they have signed a bunch of young players, drafted a bunch of first- and second-year players here into Miami, a team that's really building towards something in the near future. Up next on the list here, Miles Gaskin. He had a first year last year in Miami, entering his second with the Dolphins. He wears number 37 out of Washington, UW. He's going to be 23 years old on opening day, and he had really abbreviated work last year in Miami, but his production in college was really off the charts. 1,200 rushing yards each of his four years there with the purple and gold, and he earned his way onto the Dolphins roster last year as a seventh-round draft pick. He played 143 snaps, 125 of those coming on offense. He left all Dolphins backs with 3.28 yards after contact. He had 3.7 yards per carry, which was the most of any back to finish the year on the roster and had the longest rush at 27 yards. And his college production was not exclusive to the running game either. He was a big time producer in the passing game there for UW. And he caught last year, 10 of seven targets for 51 yards. And 47 of those 51 yards came after the catch for Miles Gaskin. He spent time last year after practice every day in training camp, getting extra work with fellow rookie back Patrick Laird out of the Pac-12 from Cal there, and his incremental improvement throughout the season on the practice field caught the eye of Coach Flores, who said, quote, this is a kid who's really improved over the course of the season from a preparation standpoint, from a process standpoint, and he's gotten a lot better in where he was as a rookie in minicamp to where he was this last week, talking about training camp. He's made a lot of progress. Unfortunately, he got injured last week. That was after the Bengals game, but he's a guy who will bounce back and get himself healthy quickly as possible and hopefully build on some of the improvements he's made over the course of the season. 
we got two more to get to here. One a fullback, one a running back. We'll start with Chandler Cox, the first-year player last year out of Auburn, entering his second with Miami, number 38, going to be 24 on opening day. And you hear some of the biggest collisions down there, whether it's training camp, whether it's on the game day field at Hard Rock Stadium. You're probably going to look up and see number 38, Chandler Cox, because this dude dons that classic neck roll, and he makes 38 look good as a fullback back there and really gives the Dolphins some options for more 21 personnel packages. That's two running backs, one tight end with two receivers on the field. Here's a quote here from Coach Eric Studsville. The one thing about Chandler, Chandler will go and attack. That's part of the job description of the position, which is why there's not very many guys like that that like that job description. I think it's the same thing. Guys aren't always finished products. Depending on from week to week what we're doing game plan wise, Chandler has been ready to go every week. He's prepared. He's excited. He brings a great energy to it. And he's going to go in and do the best of his ability, everything that we're going to ask him to do, end quote. So Cox played 66 snaps last year as a rookie. He allowed one quarterback pressure on 10 pass blocking snaps. Didn't catch any passes, but he did at Auburn when he was there in college. He caught 26 balls for 237 yards and a touchdown in his college career. Up next, last on the list here, number 42, Patrick Laird. First year last year in Miami, undrafted free agent, enters year number two out of Cal. He's going to be 24 years old. And the great joke last year from Ryan Fitzpatrick was calling Patrick Laird the intern, but he quickly proved himself that he was much more than the intern. He was a good football player for this Dolphins team. The UDFA really played a multitude of capacities for the Dolphins last season, 546 snaps, and that included 221 on special teams, a factor both in the running game, the passing game. He gained 372 yards from scrimmage, 168 rushing, 204 receiving, and 47 of his 292 offensive snaps came aligned as either a slot receiver or out on the perimeter, and even one as the Wildcat trigger man. So he really plays all over the formation for you. That versatility was not new for Laird. He was a prominent pass catcher in college down there at Cal, caught 99 balls and including 51 catches for 288 yards and four touchdowns in his senior season there at Cal. Special teams coach Danny Crossman was impressed with Laird's contributions on his coverage and returns units last season, saying this, he's getting better every week. He's conscientious. He works hard. He studies hard. We really like where he's going along with a lot of the other guys trending in the right direction, end quote. So a deeper backfield this year, plenty of opportunities for guys like Matt Breida, George Howard, the guys we talked about here with Laird and Gaskin to get some work on special teams on offense. Going to be a fun battle to watch this year among the Dolphins running backs in training camp. All right, let's go ahead and cover the three veterans that spoke on Saturday at Dolphins Media Availability. I apologize for not getting it out to you guys sooner, but we had a busy, busy weekend. The first of the month is when me and my wife moved in to the new apartment. We put together a a desk, a computer chair, a dresser, an entertainment center, a bed frame. It's been a long, long weekend getting this podcast recorded late on a Sunday for Monday Publishing. Let's go ahead and first start with quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick, who was asked about putting himself on an off-season pitch count to help rest his arm in preparation for the new season. Uh, that started, it started probably eight or nine years ago. Uh, a lot of it, I mean, it's physically, mentally, and emotionally just kind of getting away for a little bit. And I think you pour so much into every season. Uh, I do like to just take a step back, but the throwing part of it for me, just preservation and longevity. And, um, you know, I probably have ramped it up here for the last two and a half or three weeks and trying to get ready. Uh, but I, I think, you know, I wish we would have had OTAs and been able to do all the offseason stuff. But 
the silver lining for me is uh, not having to make all those throws and coming in with a real fresh arm for the season. Up next, Fitz was asked about his relationship with Chan Gailey and what the new Dolphins offensive coordinator brings to Miami and this Dolphins offense. Uh, yeah, Chan and I have worked together for five years uh, in two different places, in Buffalo and New York. And first off, as a man, uh, amazing guy, very humble, uh, loves football, loves family. And so there's a lot of characteristics in that regard that we share. Uh, guys love playing for him because one of the biggest things with him is he wants you to be yourself. He wants, uh, I'll never forget, Stevie Johnson in Buffalo was a guy that would, didn't really play a whole lot. And as soon as he got with Chan and Chan gave him the freedom uh, to be creative on some of his routes and do some things that were a little unorthodox, it really uh, catapulted his career. So players love playing for him because uh, he gives them freedom, a certain amount of freedom, not a whole lot. Uh, and he's a guy that, you know, he, he does care about the details, but he really cares about the end result, not necessarily how you got there. And so everywhere that I've been with him, with all the different receivers and personnel, they've really enjoyed his offense and uh, the freedom that comes with it. I really found that answer interesting regarding the freedom and the routes because Jakeem Grant mentioned something similar in the podcast last week when we talked to him about what Chan's offense does for the wide receivers there. So some some consistency there in that message between Fitzpatrick and Jakeem Grant about Chan Gailey. This next question was asked to Fitz about how he balances both that mentorship role, but also a guy that's really the quarterback right now at the top of the depth chart, getting ready to go into the training camp as the number one guy entering camp as the expected starter. It's not, it's not all that difficult for me. I mean, I'm going to go out there and compete every single day uh, as I know the younger guys are, but in the meeting rooms, I'm not going to keep anything to myself either. I'm going to, I'm going to make someone tell me to, to shut up because I'm going to talk as much as I can and share as much as I can with, you know, the intimate knowledge I have of this offense being in it for five years and really just experience since I've been in the league. And I know that, you know, I don't, I don't know how much time it'll be before Tua is in the lineup. I know that I am the placeholder and we've already had that conversation. I told him, you know, I'm going to do the best I can to uh, lead this team and, you know, to win football games when I'm out there. And uh, whenever it is that Tua gets his chance, whether it's early or late or whenever it is, I'm going to be his biggest cheerleader. And that's what I said earlier. But um, I think I have a unique perspective just from the career that I've had. And uh, I'm really I was excited that they drafted him. And since, you know, meeting him in person, finally, the other day, I'm, I'm really excited. Uh, we, I think we've really hit it off. And even though I'm an old geezer to him, uh, you know, he's, we've meshed personality wise and I'm excited to work with him. He's a really interesting guy. He's got a lot of energy to him. Um, and you can even, you can just tell that guys are going to gravitate to him. There's just a, there's something about him that uh, is just very likable. And, you know, I can already tell that he's going to be one of those guys that gets along with everybody, that guys are going to want to follow. Um, 
He just has that kind of air about him. And, and part of it is probably the way that he played in college and uh, just kind of the name that, and the reputation that he's built for himself. But um, there's, there's not a whole lot of ego involved and he's very likable. So uh, I don't know, just the, the general conversations, whether about football or life, uh, it, it's been really fun so far. And you hear Fitz there say the meshing of the personalities and them getting along so well. That's why I always thought that Tua made a lot of sense for the Dolphins based upon the criteria that Brian Flores and Chris Greer laid out for the quarterbacks they want and what Ryan Fitzpatrick exhibits and how Tungavailoa has some of those similar traits and characteristics and likability and leadership that Fitz talks about there. He would also go on to talk about the challenges of the abbreviated offseason. I really think there was a big-time takeaway there in terms of how he speaks and how Brian Flores speaks. My big takeaway from that comment there from Fitz is we talk all the time about the relationship and the quarterback being the extension of the head coach on the football field. You just hear a lot of similar verbiage and similar approaches to the game and approaches to leadership from Ryan Fitzpatrick and Brian Flores talking about the urgency of these reps and how all these days are going to be more important and everything's magnified right now because of the lack of time they had back in April, May, and June. So not making excuses for anybody, but just being aware and hyper aware that all of this stuff is going to matter tenfold right now and you better be on top of it. And the next question for Ryan Fitzpatrick came from yours truly. Hey Fitz, welcome back into year 16. Uh, I wanted to ask you about working with new quarterbacks coach Robbie Brown. He's got a really wide variety of job titles on his resume and I was kind of curious to get your take on how that diversity benefits the room and just how that relationship has been between he and each of the quarterbacks in that QB room. Well, I got a chance when I was in New York uh, to work with Robbie a little bit and uh, so we had we we knew each other from there hadn't really worked as closely as we will probably this year, but uh, he brings a, a wealth of knowledge and it's nice because he's, he's versed in Chan's offense and knows it really well, but he's got some experience, especially on the college end uh, of different things that he has seen. So uh, Robbie's always a good guy, good voice in the room to bounce things off. And, you know, he, he can't really, coach me the same way that he's going to coach Tua or the same way that he's going to coach Josh. There's just, there's a difference there and he's got a good feel and understanding for that. Um, so, you know, it's an interesting room with two young guys and one really old guy, but he, he's done a great job so far of, uh, you know, being able to really reach us all in different ways. So Fitz, always a very good interview, always very very profound and always very kind of measured in the way he approaches things. And it's just fun to talk to him because you always get genuine, honest answers out of Fitz, but also answers that give you good detail and good insight into the game, into the team, and kind of into the inner workings of the mind of an NFL quarterback. And up next, we got Dolphins safety Bobby McCain on the media availability talking about a variety of topics. And this first one we're going to roll for you here, I thought was a really cool answer from Bobby because once again, you talk about this no excuses and try to build on every single day and really take the one day at a time approach to the game. Everyone says it, but it's a lot harder to do than it actually is to just say. Bobby really kind of pushes that message to the rest of the locker room, to the rest of the defense. He's another guy that really perpetrates Brian Flores' message. Here's what he had to say about getting ready in this weird offseason. You know, just with a lot of the guys coming in, even even though the veterans, they still haven't they still haven't reported to do the uh, all the things they, they had, the physicals today. 
uh, just everybody's trying to learn the playbook one day at a time, man. Um, whether you're old guy, young guy, veteran, rookie, it really doesn't matter. You know, it's a new season, new start, so you got to kind of learn, uh, learn the playbook as you go, and uh, just keep getting better each and every day. So, like you know, we wish the we wish the, I only wish the best for my teammates. You know, we can't wait to have those guys back. And and uh, but you know, it's it's um they'll be they'll be fine as soon as they pick up they can pick up right where they left off. Up next was a question from again yours truly talking about Gerald Alexander, New Dolphins defensive backs coach. Hey, Bobby, welcome back in, man. Good to see you again. I just wanted to ask you about your new defensive backs coach, Gerald Alexander. If you could just talk about the type of energy and leadership and coaching he offers and how he's teaching so far in the DB's room. Uh, we're all learning pretty well, man. He's a really good coach. Uh, GA's a real good coach. He, um, you know, um, he's coming from University of Cal, but he's still a, he, he's still a really, really good coach, and uh, we're all learning we're all learning the defense as we go, um, whether you're an old guy, young guy, a new coach, old coach. Everybody can be better each and every day, and uh, that's, that's what we're striving for. Up next, Bobby talks a little bit about his relationship with Eric Rowe and how they work together on the back end of the Dolphins' defense. Uh, just trying to make sure, man, that we – because everybody wants to win. Uh, at the end of the day, everybody wants to win. So, uh, you know, with, with chemistry, man, it's hard with everybody not being able to be in the building in the way we normally would be. But um, just coming along, training this offseason with Eero and, uh, you know, just uh, we're seeing the way he works and us working together and understanding that it's going to take everybody uh, in the back end, you know, that, that's going to be real big for us. So, you know, just uh, the, way it, the way we can click in any kind of way, because um, a defensive backup, man, that's a family. So you got you to gotta make sure you take care of your family and we take care of one another. And staying in the secondary, Bobby was asked about first-round draft pick Noah Igbenogany and about some positions he may play. Well, Bobby, as you'll hear, didn't talk about the positions because that's up for the coaches to decide. But you do see the great athletic ability that Igbenogany features, the sprinter speed, the two years playing cornerback in college compared to playing receiver before that, the competitiveness. Here's what Bobby had to say about Dolphins' new cornerback, Noah Igbenogany. Uh, I know Noah works his tail off. He uh, he, trained, he trained with me in the offseason a little bit as well. He works his, he works his butt off, and um, you know he's a smart kid. He's a good player. He's going to be a good player, you know, but like I said, everybody's learning each and every day. Everybody's going to get an opportunity to compete. Everybody's going to get an opportunity to play football, and uh, that's all you can ask for. He, um, you know, him playing corner, him playing nickel, that's out of my that, – that, that's out of – that's not for me to speak on, but I know he's going to be a good player in this league, and, uh, you know, each and every day he's getting better and he's learning, and that's all you can ask for. Up next, we had the pleasure of speaking to Dolphins offensive lineman Jesse Davis, who really just gives you some nice, profound answers. All three of these guys had such good interviews and such insight into the Dolphins, into the program they want to build here in Miami, and they all really conveyed the message in the right way, too. So let's go ahead and hear from Jesse Davis, who was first asked about his versatility and where he might play on the offensive line. You know, um, you know I played every position besides center, like you mentioned, but, uh, you know, moving forward, it's always what what we can put the best position of me to move this ball club forward and get wins and have success. And you can certainly tell by Jesse's tone and his words there how important leadership is and how seriously he takes it and trying to convey the same message. Again, the team wants to get out to the rest of the players. Here he talks about the leadership role that's been kind of thrust upon him and how he's responded to being a leader of this team. Yeah, you know, it's, it's funny. You know, you wake up one day and then, you know, after free agency or whatever, and you're like, wow, I am the, the oldest guy on there or the most experienced, I guess, in the room. And then, you know, you kind of have to put yourself in that mindset of, you know, I'm going to be the leader. I want to be the leader. You know, I want to have my guys. I want to have somebody they can lean on when things are hard or 
you know, advice with anything. Um, but I, you know, I embrace it and, you know, I don't, I wasn't appointed it or anything like, Hey, Jesse, you gotta do this. It's more so, you know, this is what I want to do. I, you know, I started reading a lot of, um, leadership books too, to try to figure it out. And, uh, more importantly, kind of like a Navy SEAL book, you know, they, they're all about teamwork and how they can build each other up and they can rely on each other. So those things I kind of did this off season with all the time I had on my hands and, um, kind of just gave me a different perspective on how to lead. And of course, everybody wants to know what positions people are playing this time of year. So Jesse was asked about what spot he's playing. Here's his answer about which spots along the offensive line he can and will play for the Dolphins. No, they just primarily they just said right guard or right tackle. Um, they said it would probably work some left. That way you still have it. Um, but right now, I mean, everything's kind of up in the air. You never know who's going to be up, who's going to be down, you know, and, and I primarily um, I played more on the right side, so I guess I'd probably say something on the right side. But end of the day, it really doesn't matter. I can adjust to it. Cam Wolf, hey Jesse, I guess whether your conversations with guys this off season over the phone or in the facility, what do you feel is like the the level of fear? You know, general coming back and playing. Like, do you do you see guys are just saying, "Hey, this is my job. I'm gonna do it regardless," or is there a a higher level of fear, you know, that you may see, you know, between guys? Um, I think the fear comes out when we start talking about it more. Uh, I think once we're in the building and around each other and back to normal, obviously we all wear masks in the building. Um, and then if you want to on the field, you can as well. But um, there hasn't been like somebody going like, hey, make sure you stay away from me. It's more so you have your own respect for the guy next to you. Like you make sure you're already six feet away or a, far, a further distance than that. But we also wear these contact tracers too, so it kind of tells you it starts beeping or like the flashing on your wrist um, if you're too close to somebody. So, I mean, that's a good reminder as well. So, I mean, the fear is there, but it's not, I guess it's not very like shown on somebody's face or somebody's um, body language. So I think right now, I think, I mean, they've done such a good job in it. Like that's the primary um you know, a mindset for, for a guy, it's like they feel safe in that building and that that's the way it should be. And it's nice. And we'll go ahead and close up this edition of the drive time podcast with my question for Jesse Davis about the coach, the new coaches rather in the offensive line room. And he talks about Steve Marshall and Lemuel Jean-Pierre, the assistant offensive line coach. You'll hear him talk about here and his answer to me. Hey, Jesse, good to see you again, man. I just wanted to ask you about your new offensive line coach, Steve Marshall. He's got over 40 years experience coaching football. How does that experience benefit such a young offensive line room? And just talk about what he offers as a coach, a teacher, and a leader. Yeah, I was with um, Coach Marshall at the Jets when I did a short time there, training camp, and then I think a week of preseason or a week of uh, practice squad. But um, he offers, you know, you know, tons of knowledge. Um, you know, he's seen it every probably every technique you can get from you know different players to different styles of play and uh, you know any question you have you know he answers it on the fly and it's you know it's been great and especially with our assistant coach uh Lim um you know he's played the game I played with him in Seattle actually so I knew him from a, a short stint as well but uh, he offers a great a great way to look at the game too on how a player looks at it instead of a coach and I think you know them two together is a good marriage for our room. 
Yeah, you heard him call him Lem there. I thought that was kind of a cool perspective that Jesse offered about how he played with Lemuel Jean-Pierre in Seattle on the offensive line there, and now he's coaching with him. So you have the old grizzled vet, the old grizzled coach, but you also have the young, fresh blood there to kind of understand the player's perspective and really help balance that room, help develop that room, give him the old tricks of the trade, maybe some new things there, a good balance like Jesse mentions there in the offensive line room. All right, that's going to be our time here on the Drive Time podcast. Podcast. We have a new morning article coming out daily up on MiamiDolphins.com. It's going to be called Today from Dolphins Headquarters. Just getting you guys everything you need to know for the day about the Miami Dolphins football team heading into training camp, heading into the season here as we are getting closer and closer to the start of the 2020 NFL season. So check that out. We have plenty of content all over for you guys. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, MiamiDolphins.com, other podcasts. We are everywhere. You can find that. Also, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Give me a follow on Twitter at WingfieldNFL. Follow the Dolphins at Miami Dolphins anywhere you're on social media. Check out the Fish Tank and the Audible podcast. We have a new edition of the Fish Tank dropping on Tuesday, I believe. And of course, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up.